Ladies and gentlemen, the Tuesday Night Wars are back. It was NXT versus All Elite Wrestling, and we're going to tell you exactly how that went. Pretty happy with how it went on both sides, if I'm being honest. And also, CM Punk to WWE, why that might not be happening whatsoever. We'll talk about it here on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast as we are officially on air. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Welcome to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. Let's spell it out for you. A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-R-E-E Jr. You can bet on me and the Believe Network. Welcome to another wonderful edition of the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. And today, we get to talk about the Tuesday Night Wars because both AEW and NXT brought some heavy hitting shows last night we're going to talk about them both but first let's talk about the thing that i've been talking about for a while now when it comes to all elite wrestling and that is their attendance numbers and how they've been falling drastically i said one of the solutions that you can do in order to get that attendance number back up is start going to different cities that you haven't been to before you can only hit chicago new york philadelphia places like that so many times before those crowds are like well they're gonna come back anyway why do i need to go to this one the reason wwe shows are always a sellout is because one the product is good and two they're in a different city every week okay it's very rare that they're gonna go to the same city twice in one year and if they do it's because they're having a pay-per-view there and an episode of raw or smackdown it's never oh we're gonna be here for raw and then come see us again four weeks later for another edition of raw that's dumb that's dumb aw is available in every living room across the country which means you have viewers in every living room across the country why on earth would it make any sense whatsoever to go to these same markets over and over again i don't care what the data and analytics say plan to go to different places And this week, they were in Kansas City, Missouri. And guess what? The attendance was solid. There were barely any empty seats in the arena. As opposed to last week, where basically a good three quarters of the arena had empty seats in it. That's unacceptable. That's not going to work. But attendance like this week will work every single time. And they brought the heat with the show, okay? They had edges aew debut they also had an international title match with ray phoenix and orange cassidy they also had an aew women's title match with soraya and hikaru shida and the card was great it was really really good also had powerhouse hobbs versus chris jericho some of the results of the matches don't matter the fact is they had quality matches with quality storytelling all over the show and they needed it because they were competing with a WWE NXT show that was stacked from top to bottom. This show had John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Asuka. It had LA Knight, which was a surprise. And it also had who was teased for the show uh, in the promos that were airing on television. The Undertaker. We'll talk about all of that. Let's get into this NXT show. Cody came out to start the show. He says he has a few announcements. Uh, one is that there will be a male breakout tournament similar to the female breakout tournament that is happening right now. And there will also be the return of the Dusty Rhodes Classic, which, you know, it's 
very fitting that he's the one to make that announcement. I figured that was going to be one of the announcements that he made when they were saying, oh, he's going to make an announcement on the show. I was like, yeah, it's, it's going to be the Dusty Rhodes classic. That just makes sense. They also had Cody as the special guest referee, not referee, sorry, the special guest general manager for the show. And that was awesome as well because, you know, you want Cody to do more than just come out for a segment. You know, you have Cody Rhodes on the show. This is NXT. Use him throughout the night, and that's exactly what they did. And they actually had him doing stuff, setting up stuff for the show uh, last night and the show heading forward into uh, the next few weeks with Halloween Havoc and things of that nature. So one of the things that he did was uh, set up a match with Ilya Dragunov and Dominic Mysterio for the NXT title. Shocker, that match was entertaining. It was fun. Uh, Judgment Day got involved, but Trick Williams got his revenge and helped Ilya Dragunov retain the title. And speaking of Trick Williams, him and Mello continuing this little slowly growing tension of theirs. Uh, we can easily see a Trick versus Mello match coming down the line. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily if that's what any of us wanted. Um, you know, I, I really like the tandem of them together. And, you know, if I can be candid, I hate seeing black men fight each other, especially when they were friends. I don't like it. It just reflects real life too much sometimes for me. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I shouldn't be so sensitive to that. Maybe I should just, you know, dive into the story like I always tell you guys to do. So maybe that's exactly what I'll do. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, they, they had to be mediated a little bit by John Cena, who had an encounter earlier in the night with Mr. Braun Breaker, um, who he volunteered to be in the corner of Carmelo Hayes as he takes on and Paul Heyman, obviously in Braun Breaker's corner. And speaking of Paul Heyman, we had a little, uh, NXT anonymous post where they were captured. Paul Heyman was captured talking to none other than Ava Rain, The Rock's daughter, pitching the bloodline to her, which is very interesting because think about this. We just had The Rock return, um, and The Rock went public and said, hey, Rock versus Roman almost happened at WrestleMania 39. Okay, cool. So that means it could potentially happen at WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. What makes this interesting is now you're involving The Rock's daughter in the bloodline. Oh, now you're going to strike deep. Now you're going to put her under the tutelage of Roman Reigns, which is inevitably going to force The Rock to come out of whatever shadow he is sitting in and confront Roman Reigns and take his daughter back. Take his daughter out of the bloodline and fight Roman Reigns. This, this story writes itself. It writes itself because WWE does such a great job right now of putting themselves in positions to be able to write awesome stories down the line. They are long-term thinking. I mean, I swear, like the Triple H, Triple H puts on his thinking cap and he thinks, what story can I start right now that'll have a huge payoff down the line in months and months and months? I think I think back to stories like the one one that's been on my mind repeatedly. I don't know why, but the one that's been on my mind repeatedly is the Shane McMahon versus Vince McMahon robbery from WrestleMania 17 and the involvement of Linda McMahon and how Vince was just being such such an a-hole to Linda and drugging her and stuff like that. 
And, you know, you get all these people invested in this story. And then Linda gets up from that chair at WrestleMania and the crowd, 70,000 strong, just lose their minds because she got up from a chair. Think about that. A woman gets up from a chair. That's it. That's the story. That's that's the climax. A woman gets up from a chair. That is the climax of the story because it was so well written that that is the moment that everybody was waiting for. And when it happened, everybody went nuts for it. Think about how crazy that is. Think about how ingenious that is to be able to write a story like that. That is what Triple H is doing with these different storylines that he has going all around the WWE product. And if Ava Rain joins the bloodline, my goodness. I mean, obviously she's not ready as a wrestler yet. She would probably tell you the same thing. Everybody that coaches her would probably tell you the same thing. But her character work has been good. I've liked everything she's done with the schism. And I think that, you know, as far as when it, when it comes to WWE, you have to remember. There's a reason Jade Cargill is going to thrive in WWE more than she did in AEW. And she was very good in AEW. But the differences between AEW fans and WWE fans is this. WWE fans, like myself, we care more about the story than the match. What's the story here? What is what is this, what is the story being told? Like, what are the ups and downs? What's the climax? What's the beginning? What's the ending? That's what we care about the most. The matches, yes, that's great. That's icing on the cake. But what we care about the most is the story that's why wwe can start raw and smackdown every week with a promo instead of a wrestling match on a wrestling show they started with a promo because it's storytelling that's what their fans care about AEW fans want to see the matches right they want to see banger after banger after banger shout out to uh, the brawling brutes that's what they want to see so when tony khan wins booker of the year you have to understand he won Booker of the Year because he understood his fan base and what they wanted. Now, you're not going to attract WWE fans with that approach, but Tony Khan is approaching his promotion to retain the fans that he has and gain new fans that are like those fans. Fans that want to see matches, fans that care about the match, the story inside the match. WWE fans, we care about the story outside of the match more than we do about the story inside the match. You really have to tell a great story outside of the match to get us to care about the one inside the match. And for AEW fans, it's just the complete opposite. Like, the story doesn't matter as much to them. It's all about what's happening in between the ropes. That's what they care about. And that's why Jay Cargill and Ava Rain and people like that, people that might be a little bit green... Um, you know, getting better in the ring as time goes along, but, you know, maybe not quite ready yet. They can still thrive in places like the main roster in WWE because WWE is all about telling stories. Jade Cargill is a superstar and she can tell a story. Ava Rain, if you've watched her work with Schism, she can tell a story. Like she, she's clearly a natural, like it runs in her blood. Um, so I don't, I don't think it would be I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility to have her involved in the bloodline storyline on the main roster. But you know what would be even cooler? 
if they had the Bloodline storyline start to trickle into NXT, right? Just like the Judgment Day storyline has trickled into NXT, have the Bloodline storyline do the same thing. Like, really give the NXT brand that rub of like, hey, tune in to NXT or you're going to miss some essential information or some essential, uh, you know, story elements about the Bloodline. Like, that's genius. It's literally genius. What, everything they've been doing with NXT has just been phenomenal. It's just been genius. Like, they're not, they're not bringing in main roster talent just to do it. Like, they bring them in and they have a purpose. Now, obviously, this episode, they brought them in clearly to beat AEW. And that that's fine, though. But the thing is, even though they did that, they were like, everybody that we bring in is going to have a purpose. Right? You brought in Asuka. Why bring in Asuka instead of anybody else? Well, because Asuka has never lost in NXT. So bring her in to face the prodigy. Bring her in to face who's being touted as the future of this women's division and have them go head to head. Have Roxanne hold her own. Take the L, of course, but have her hold her own so that she doesn't get buried. She gets over by holding her own against Asuka. Oscar retains her credibility. Um, have LA Knight come in because LA Knight was in NXT for a while. Why not bring him in for a homecoming? Have John Cena come in because Cena has never been uh, on live NXT. He has been at NXT before, but it was not on television. Bring him in for an NXT taping and have him give the future of the division the John Cena rub. And then also use that match to further the bloodline storyline between them and John Cena and have Braun Breaker have Braun Breaker get that Paul Heyman rub of hey I see you like you're the future like really have these guys that are already clearly they're established on the main roster but these guys are legends on the main roster have them elevate who you deem to be the future Roxanne is clearly the future of the women's division. And Carmelo and Braun Breaker are clearly who are being set up to be main eventers for years to come. So, of course, you got to give them that rub. And that's what they did. They were so intentional with everything. And then with Cody, of course, why not have him come in to announce the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic? That, of course, of course. Like, it all makes sense. Every bit of it makes complete sense, what they did. Um... Now, you know, let's talk about the AEW show. Uh, Hikaru Shida taking the title off of Soraya. That was quick. Um, but AEW is no stranger to quick title changes, so that's fine. Uh, Orange Cassidy got his international title back. I'm sure that was... I'm sure that makes a lot of fans happy. I'm I'm personally a fan of Orange Cassidy. I like his gimmick. I think it's different. Never seen it before. I love it. Um, yeah, Powerhouse Hobbs and Chris Jericho. Obviously, I'm always going to be happy if I'm seeing Chris Jericho wrestling because Chris Jericho is timeless and keeps reinventing himself. And I never feel like I'm seeing the same thing over and over again with him. So I'm all for it. also like Powerhouse Hobbs a lot. Then you had Edge and Luchasaurus. And I know it's probably been said before, but Luchasaurus is definitely like modeling his style off of Kane. And it's very easy to see. But I don't think that's an issue. He looks just like Kane. Why not? Um, you know, from the even the music sounds a little similar 
to something that Kane would use. They just put like a little dinosaur jungle spin on it. But I think it's really good. And I think Luchasaurus is the type of character that you can easily turn face or heel because kids are going to like him because he's this cool big guy in a mask. But kids are also going to fear him because he's this big guy in a mask. Like, it, it, there's a lot of stuff you can do there. But Edge and him had a, a long match. Edge took a lot of big bumps um, and gave a lot of, like, high-risk moves, which I really liked. Again, the, like, Edge clearly wasn't ready to retire. And he came to AEW because he had an opportunity to work with people he never worked with before. You throw him into a program with Christian, but you make it different than people would have probably anticipated. And you have him wrestling different people. I'm sure uh, a match against Nick Wayne is next for Edge. And uh, that's going to be fun as well as this one was. Uh, Edge, of course, won. He was never going to lose his debut match. But um, it's a really fun match that reminds you, like, hey, Edge has a lot more to give. He has a lot more to give. Uh, the ratings haven't come out yet for these shows, but I'm 100% positive and confident that NXT did at least one and a half million. Um, I'm going to guess AEW did around like 800, 900,000, um, possibly. We'll see. I hope. I hope they got those numbers. Um, if they didn't, man, WWE just keeps dominating but i know wwe's numbers were solid i know that for a fact you put cena and cody on the show and then you tease the undertaker yeah you're you're gonna get uh you're gonna get those uh those numbers that you're looking for speaking of the undertaker i forgot to mention he came out at the end attacked Braun breaker crowd loved it of course he came out with the uh, american badass gimmick because he said he is retiring the dead man gimmick forever that is done he will never don that again um which is really sad to see, but hey, smile because it happened. Don't cry because it's over. It's okay. It's going to be okay. When we come back, though, we'll talk about something that is possibly over and never happening again. Um, somebody wanted to get signed by WWE, but it looks like that ain't happening. We're also going to talk about a second-generation star whose uh, approach to his NXT character I'm really digging so far, and I like a lot. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. Let's get into this big news that just came out from the man Dave Meltzer himself, Old Reliable, who uh, had a report earlier this month. Um, or last month, last, uh, you know, in September, that CM Punk and WWE were in talks of possibly signing a new deal. Well, looks like that is not going to happen. Uh, CM Punk has been rejected by WWE, according to Dave Meltzer, and there could be a lot of reasons why. One of them is clearly that WWE doesn't feel like it's worth the risk. After seeing everything that he has done in AEW backstage and all the tension that he's had over the years with WWE and the fact that WWE is already doing record business with the roster that they have and the locker room morale is high, I don't think they want to risk doing anything that could mess that up. And you have to respect where they're coming from. CM Punk is obviously a talent that, you know, you bring in, you're going to sell tickets, you're going to sell merch, you're going to make a lot of money. From CM Punk but the problem is 
how long does that last before he starts creating backstage issues? There's already a lot of people backstage who don't like them, who don't like him. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, just to name a couple, your two champions don't like the guy. I don't really think it's smart to bring him in either. Apparently, this was Vince McMahon's decision, which is surprising because Vince McMahon is typically the one that would be like, yeah, this is best for business. Let's bring him in. Like, I don't care. Let's just do it. That's what's so surprising to me about it. I would think it would be primarily Triple H's idea not to bring him in. But apparently, that was not the case. And um, yeah, just a little bit shocking to me in that regard. I'm not shocked that WWE is not signing him, but I am shocked that it was Vince McMahon's decision. Now, of course, this is according to Dave Meltzer. So he could be right. He could also be wrong. Who knows? Uh, But as of right now, no CM Punk to WWE. Um, But like Dave Meltzer said, it's never a no forever in WWE. We could eventually see CM Punk back. Uh, But for now, it looks like Impact Wrestling is the only company that really wants to offer him uh, a big deal to come in. And uh, hopefully that doesn't mess up their locker room morale either. I mean, I think it would help the brand. It would get more eyes on it. But I think at this point, after everything that just happened with CM Punk backstage, sad to say, I don't think it's going to move the needle for Impact if they do bring him in. Because, again, people who watch Impact are kind of like AEW fans. They're the smart fans. They read the dirt sheets and stuff like that. They're not casuals. So they know what CM Punk did backstage, everything that he was involved in. And uh, I don't know if they're going to want to support CM Punk in Impact Wrestling. I have no idea. I don't want to see anybody out of work, though. I want to see CM Punk get another opportunity somewhere. I just, I, I, would, I really wasn't feeling it in WWE because I, I have noticed the morale has been up. Everybody's been performing at the top of their game. Why mess that up? Why mess that up signing somebody that you really don't need to sign, if we're being completely honest? I don't know. Just uh, spills unnecessary for me. But that brings us to our final story of the day, which is we finally, as if we didn't already know, but we finally got an answer to who's behind those vignettes that we've been seeing on NXT of uh, somebody clicking through different channels and every channel having a second or third generation superstar on it. Well, it is Brian Pillman Jr. Of course it is. Uh, There was news that he was signed um, about a month ago, month and a half ago, and uh, he is officially showing his face on NXT television. He is home where he belongs in World Wrestling Entertainment, where his father earned a lot of his stripes of course he earned it in wcw as well but wwe um he earned a lot of it as well and here was the shocking part this is the part that i liked he is not going by brian pillman jr he is going by lexus king and he has a explanation for that he says i didn't have a relationship with my father my father died when i was four so i'm gonna go by the name of the man who raised me king my name is lexus king and what's so interesting um, a lot of times real life has to bleed into storylines to make it work, right? When I, when I, when I don my ref bay gimmick, for example, and I'm out there in the tight shirt and the short shorts and the do rag and the shades, there's a part of me that comes into that character, my arrogant side, my side that likes to talk a lot of trash and likes to tell you that I'm better than you, tell you what I'm going to do, and then do it. Um, 
you know, that part has to come out into the character. If you watched Dark Side of the Ring, the Brian Pillman episode, you'll realize a lot of what Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman Jr. was saying in this promo reflects real life. Like, this is how he really feels to some extent. Of course, he loves his father, which is he had more time with his father. But his father did die when he was four years old and he didn't have a relationship with his father that he can remember. And his father didn't raise him. His father was gone. Uh, so the man that raised him, his last name is King. And so he's going to go by that. And, um, you know, I, I think um, <laughs> it's an interesting angle to take. And I think it's different. Like you're not leaning on the name. You're you're giving him something different uh, to go by and something that he's going to feel more comfortable with. Because maybe he doesn't feel comfortable with the Brian Pillman Jr. thing because, you know, that comes with pressure to be like your father. And he's like, I didn't know my father. Not that his father was a deadbeat. His father was not a deadbeat. His father died, you know, unfortunately. His father passed away. One of the greatest talents, though, uh, to ever walk through the business was Brian Pillman. And, you know, I'm sure he studied his father, taking a lot of things from his father. Uh, but he doesn't want that pressure of trying to be his dad. And changing his name really opens that up for him. So I'm excited for the future of Alexis King. I will refer to him as such as, out of respect for him and this gimmick that he is trying to get over. And uh, I think uh, NXT is the great place for him to uh, you know, really find his footing in that area. Now, what I do wonder, right, is, you know, you have you have somebody like Brian Billman Jr., Alexis King who is, you know, now stepping foot in NXT. Um, and his dad did not come without his fair share of controversy. And that just leads me to wonder, is there ever any room? I'll leave you guys with this before we go. Is there ever any room within WWE's walls for Chris Benoit's son? Just some food for thought. I understand his father didn't do anything that Chris Benoit did. I understand. But controversy, second generation, is there any room for Chris Benoit's son in WWE? If not, it seems to be okay, though, because he's found a, a nice home in AEW. So we'll see what the future holds. Again, like David Meltzer said, it's never a no forever in WWE. That's it for the Manifest Wrestling Podcast this week. I'm Alfonso McCree Jr. You guys already know what to do. Stay safe, stay blessed, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Peace!